0: hey what's up everybody welcome back to our podcast ladies and gents i am one fourth of your co-host tiffany e and on behalf of janae alexis and nicole welcome back to the show so i am here to give you guys the full rundown of hell in the cell (laughs) in your house and then let you know the fallout of hell in the cell so let's start with in your house in your house started this past saturday it came and it went. Um, it wasn't a bad show. I will say that. It was not a bad show at all. It wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't a bad show. So, what did I like? What did I dislike about In Your House? I loved Braun Breaker's match with Joe Gacy. Definitely loved Cameron Grimes' match with Carmelo Hayes. They tore the house down, okay? And I absolutely Was excited and ecstatic for the Kree brothers having that amazing match with Pretty Deadly. Shout out to Pretty Deadly for putting on a great match with the Kree brothers. But man, was it awesome to see the Kree brothers finally get those titles. I hope they tell Roderick Strong off today, really and honestly. But anyway, here is NXT in your house as follows. All right. So, Tony D'Angelo and you had Lorenzo, Donovan, all, you know, Tony, making Tony and Co. as the Tony Mafia, or whatever you want to call them, went up against Legato Del Fantasma. And unfortunately for us, Tony D'Angelo and Co. did beat Legato Del Fantasma on some fluke shit. Like, literally, both of them were cheating. One of the two idiots got knocked out and ended up falling and pinning one of Legato Del Fantasma. And that's how they won the match. So sad. <laughs> the next match of the night was the toxic attraction versus Casey, Kaden and Katana. Um, I didn't care for this match. Um, nor did I watch it all the way through. I will say that the parts that I saw was okay. Um, Katana had a little bit of a botch, but it was, it was standard fare for the type of move that she was doing. I kind of, it's either you're in the right position or you aren't. And one of them was off, whether it was Gigi or Katana, we'll never know, but she kind of missed it, but they recovered it in a little bit, um, during the match. So toxic attraction ended up retaining their titles, which to me made no sense, but live your best life, sis, go off. Um... Next match of the night was Cameron Grimes versus Carmelo Hayes. This is the one that I really thought Cameron was going to retain on. I was very upset that Carmelo Hayes won. The reason why is, number one, Carmelo was champion for a very fucking long time, okay? Carmelo had the whole mid-card division on lock. There was nobody who could take him down. Cameron finally was the golden boy and took him out, and then he doesn't even get a decent enough title rank on his Second title defense on an actual pay-per-view. It'd be his first title defense on an actual pay-per-view, but his second title defense overall. He ended up losing it back to Carmelo Hayes. I don't understand what they're doing. In my opinion, he should have kept it. You could have moved on to Solo, but it looks like they may be dropping the title to Solo, or they wanted to have Solo go up against a heel champion, which to me, you could have fucking kept the belt on it, I'm not even gonna go into that spiel. It is what it is. Unfortunately, for us who love Cameron Grimes, he is no longer your North American champion, but he did get to hold it, and that stands for something. Moving on, so Mandy went up against Wendy Chu. Mandy won. The Cree brothers versus Pretty Deadly. Like I said in the beginning, this was my favorite match of the night. It was awesome. It was hard hitting. It was back and forth. You did not know who was going to win. It was so much fun to watch. And the Cree brothers are the type of tag team that are so much fun to watch they have so much energy they are always on point there is never a misstep with them if it is you rarely notice it they just are clean perfect wrestlers and I really really enjoy them and you gotta say shout out to Nicole because she had their backs from the very beginning. I did not think they would be able to hold up but they do and they're amazing and I have to say I am sorry 50 times over and big ups to Nicole because she is always on point when it comes to that shit. Shout out to the to the to the GOAT Nicole okay anyways then the final match of the night was Braun Breaker Bron Breaker went up against Joe Gacy, and Joe Gacy pulled out all the stops. He did everything he could to take Bron Breaker off of his rocker and take him off his game psychologically. But none of it worked, and Bron Breaker is still your NXT champion. So there you have it. That was NXT in your house. In my opinion, I'd give NXT in your house a C+. There were more matches that were not worth talking about then there were worth talking about and the one the big kahuna that was there which was gacy and breaker it it's it was an okay feud and it was an okay match it wasn't bad it wasn't good there were some solid spots from gacy solid spots from breaker but overall for me personally i knew breaker was going to win so i wasn't as invested in their match or More specifically, in their feud, as I should have been. Mandy's match, no. Toxic Attraction, no. Wasn't feeling it. And Legado Del Fantasma was okay. Um, It wasn't a bad match. It was just okay. So, like I said, there were two matches that stood out to me the most. That was Hayes and Grimes and um, the Creed Brothers and Pretty Deadly. Superior matches. Absolutely five-star matches. But everything else in the card, I can live with or without seeing. I can live without seeing those matches. So that's why they get a C plus, in my opinion. You guys, let me know what you think. I put a poll up on Spotify and you guys, you know, can always leave a voice note on Anchor to let me know how you feel about in your house. So we're going to move on to Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell was this past Sunday, and man, it was a solid show. The show opened up with a massive match. Bianca Belair is the Raw Women's Champion, and she was defending her title against two former Raw Women's Champions and massive competitors. These two women have multiple titles across both brands, and they were gunning for Bianca Belair. And, of course, Bianca Belair is no chump. She herself has garnered multiple titles across both brands. They went at it. This is one of my favorite matches of the night. They were going back and forth. It was a brawl between these three girls, okay? Ultimately, Becky used every trick she had in the book. It didn't work. And Bianca ended up pulling one out of Becky's book. And she ended up pinning Asuka and getting... To keep her Raw Women's Championship. It was such a good match. I would highly recommend that you guys go back and watch it. If you haven't seen it. Because it was definitely worth the watch. Alright. Next match on the docket. is Bobby Lashley. Versus Omos and MVP. Gonna be honest. Didn't watch the match. I saw pieces of it. But I was in my phone. Editing and putting up videos. However, I didn't care for the match, so I didn't watch it. Um, I know Bobby Lashley won, and he went out there and celebrated like it was the Super Bowl, and he grabbed the fan's belt, and he basically said, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for that championship. So Bobby Lashley has made a pseudo-declaration that he's coming for Roman's throne. I want to see how that's going to play out. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Moving on to Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel. This match was good. I liked it. I think Ezekiel went w- played well off of KO, and KO was KO. He was strong. He had speed when he needed to, but he also was very cold and calculated, and that calculating ended up giving him the W over Ezekiel. So we'll see how that played out. When I tell you guys about Monday Night Raw, Moving on to the next bout, Judgment Day defeated Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan. This match was back and forth as well. The guys were in there, but when Finn got in the match, he ended up ultimately staying in the longest, and he got beat down the most. This was a tradeout between Damian Priest and Edge, constantly keeping Edge on their side of the, of the ring and really dominating over Finn Balor. They all were able to get in the ring at one point, to which and I believe Edge was the legal man and Finn Balor was legal. They got their move off, Finn Balor got pinned, and Judgment Day picked up the W. But there's a little bit of a hitch in that plan. I'll tell you about all that in the review for Monday Night Raw. Moving on to the next match, Mad Cat Moss defeated Happy Corbin in a no-holds-barred match. Now, surprisingly, this was a very good match and a good showing for Mad Cat Moss. He looked strong, he looked confident, and he came out there with a goal, and that was to take Corbin's ass out. And that's what he did. So shout-out to Mad Cat for going after Corbin's neck and teaching Calyu that just because you have a temper tantrum and you stomp your little feet and scream doesn't mean you're going to get your way. At some point, you have to get your comeuppance. And that is exactly what Corbin got by his own friend or ex-friend, no less. Moving on, Austin Theory or a.k.a. Titan Theory, as our girl Nicole likes to call him, defeated Mustafa Ali and retained his United States championship. Now, listen, this match was good. It was okay. But I really felt like Theory should have lost his title tonight. I understand they have some shit going with him and Cena, possibly. But in my mind, I always say this, there's no reason for a title to be involved in that. John Cena is not going to be able to come back for a long period of time. He's a part-timer at best. And I don't believe in part-timers having titles. I didn't like it when Goldberg had it. I didn't like it when... um. What's his name? Brock Lesnar had it. I'm not going to be a fan of Cena having it. So, theory one, unfortunately. And, of course, I'll tell you about what happened after that on Monday Night Raw. You see how everything leads? You see? Amazing. Moving on. The big kahuna. Probably the best part of Hell in a Cell. Cody Rhodes defeated Seth Rollins with a torn pectoral muscle you ever just just seen a fight and just knew that this little injured bird was going to be slaughtered by this massive cat like you've ever seen a bird and a cat in the wild and you just saw that cat hunting its prey and you're like oh shit that bird's gonna die that bird's gonna die or gazelle or zebra zebra as they say in africa you know um was that was what we felt watching it at least me when Cody took off that robe I was in total and complete shock he was black and blue pools of blood underneath his skin it was swollen it looked painful his arm was black and blue I I just could not believe what I saw and I'll tell you this a lot of people believe that WWE put Cody Rhodes in danger in this match not necessarily true WWE has impeccable doctors they would not have cleared Cody to wrestle if they didn't think any more harm could be done to the injury his muscle was no longer on the bone So there really wasn't anything else that they could do or Seth could do in this match to fully injure Cody Rhodes any further than he already was. There was nothing else that he could do. The muscle was was torn from the bone, so he couldn't do anything to him that he didn't already have done. So they were like, if he wants to wrestle, let him go. And that's what he did. He went out there and put on a show with one arm and literally beat Seth, I was shocked, shocked beyond belief. I could not believe that they did this. And you know what made it so good? Was that they didn't plan it. This was something that happened to them, not because of them. And because of this, Cody is now the ultimate and probably gonna be The biggest baby face on the roster. When he comes back, the pop that that man is going to get and the pure domination that he is going to do as a baby face for this company is ridiculous. And I think Cody was fully aware of what he was doing. This is gnarly. It is highly ingenious, though. It's so smart. But at the same time, it is like, ooh, you pulled this shit out by the skin of your teeth. Because he won damn near incapacitated, and he won the match. Cody now owns three wins over Seth. And in two out of three of them, they're clean wins. Okay? Seth Rollins can be mad all day long, but he can never say that Cody... Isn't as good as he is or that he doesn't have the testicular fortitude to be at his caliber. He proved that even at 90%, even at 75, if you want to say he was at 50 cent, 50% capacity, that he can pull out one of the best matches on the card. And that is exactly what he did. Absolutely freaking insane. Insane. It was such a good match, but it was so nerve-wracking because you were afraid that he was going to get injured even more. And like I said, Cody is a fucking genius. He is a genius. But you know what? You know who is the unsung hero in this particular match? And a lot of people going to say, oh, Cody, because he worked injured. No. It's Seth freaking Rollins you can say whatever you want to about Rollins but that man is probably one of the greatest performers WWE has ever picked up and if this match and this feud doesn't earn him the title I don't know what will I don't know what will he worked with Cody with a torn pectoral and still was able to pull out one of the best matches if not the best match on the card it wasn't sluggish it wasn't boring. It was always, you You just were sitting there waiting with bated breath as to what they were going to do in the next spot. Like, where you were going to go with this. How are you going to heighten this even more? And they did it. And Seth did it. And he didn't hurt him. He could have very well injured him. He could have took his ass out that night. I'm telling you, one of the best performers ever, not in WWE, ever. Best workers. Ever. And I stand by that. I dare anybody to challenge me on it. Real talk. All in all, if I had to give Helena Cell a rating, I'd give it a B minus. I think Helena Cell was great, but there were some matches on the card that I just didn't care for. But that match with Cody and Seth. Top tier. Loved it. The girls, the girls pulled out all the stops and there was only one fucking woman's match on that entire card and they tore the house down. Okay. They set the tone for the show. Without them, that show wouldn't have had that type of fire. Real talk. So I give them a B. I, you know, I upgraded B plus. They did great. Now let's move on to Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw recap is really quick and simple. If you missed Monday Night Raw, you missed a few key things. Cody Rhodes got attacked by Seth Rollins in the beginning of the show. If you haven't known or watched WWE in quite some time, you probably wouldn't have expected it. But if you're like me, and you're kind of in a rhythm of understanding the logic of WWE, this most definitely makes sense. Furthermore, if you watched the storyline of Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes and you're more specifically focused on Seth Rollins then you would understand that this falls right into his hands in terms of him being a villain. Seth has never been one to lose gracefully and as always he always has to have the last laugh and he got it Monday when he attacked Cody vigorously after he pretty much announced that he was leaving to take care of his injury, but he was gonna come back and if God permits, he's gonna be at Money in the Bank. Now, that's an amazing feat to do with a completely severed pectoral muscle. Um, But it is what it is. So, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins' feud has been put on ice as of right now. Is it going to progress any further? Probably. Probably. When Seth, well, Cody is in full capacity, 100% ready to go, they will end their saga with each other for sure. End it, dead it, and it's in the water. It's done. And there's no more Cody and Seth. Probably one of the best feuds of the last couple of years, I have to say myself. It goes right up there with Roman and his cousin, Jey Uso. It's very, very good. With all that being said, let's move on to the next big thing that happened on Monday Night Raw. The Judgment Day did announce their newest member to their group, and it was Prince David Finn Balor. We all were shocked, well some people were, that Finn Balor had joined Judgment Day after just getting his ass kicked by Judgment Day a few hours prior. Now, everybody was sitting there listening to the spiel of Judgment Day and how they've been enlightened by the darkness and how they can't help but appreciate the legend and icon status of the Omnipotent One, Edge. But there was nothing holding them back now. They had finally felt whole. They were finally free. And they just had to get rid of some dead weight. That dead weight was Edge. They ousted Edge of the group just like that. After he led them to domination time and time again on each pay-per-view, they pretty much got rid of Edge and took him out of Judgment Day. So he is no longer the faction's leader. It seems that Finn Balor has ousted him and taken his place. Now, he got pretty banged up on Monday Night Raw from being beat down by the entire crew to getting a the bottom of a chair through his mouth, which is one of his signature moves, in a submission by Finn Balor to being concertoed by his own henchman, Damian Priest. It was pretty lit to see, and probably one of the best swerves I've seen in the last 10 years. I'd get it up there and say it was right up there with Seth Rollins turning on the shield after they had finally bested the authority. It's going to be an interesting thing to see how they're going to swing this and how they're going to bring other people in to make this work. Judgment Day can be a decent faction, even with Finn Balor at the helm. So we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. Now, Judgment Day did their dirty work, and there was a Fatal 4-Way Women's number 1 Contender Match for the Raw Women's Championship. And those four women consisted of Alexa Bliss, Piper Nevin, Liv Morgan, And Rhea Ripley. Now, our four women performed in this match pretty well. But ultimately, Rhea Ripley was the one who gained the opportunity to go up against Bianca Belair at Money in the Bank. Which means Rhea Ripley will not participate in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Now, they didn't make any announcements about Money in the Bank, which is fine. They have plenty of time. Some smaller segments happened on Monday Night Raw. But they were still surprising nonetheless. The Miz decided he wanted to have a celebration for his new reality show, the third season, I believe, of Miz and Mrs. So, Maurice came out, looking beautiful as ever, and Miz was in tow, and they seemed to be in love and in happy, and they were making their announcement, and that's when Riddle came out. Riddle interrupted and pretty much made a statement to the bloodline, and more specifically to Roman Reigns. He said very clearly that he was tired of Roman taking everything from him and it was time for him to return the favor. So, he said he was going to challenge the Tribal Chief for the WWE Universal Championship. Now, this is the third person to make their claim on that WWE Universal Championship. From Bobby Lashley to Drew McIntyre and now Matt Riddle. More than likely, Matt Riddle will be the guy who goes up against Roman at Money in the Bank for that WWE Universal Championship. I really don't think he's going to win it, but I do think that he is going to go up against him at Money in the Bank. If he wins, I'll be fucking shocked. It'll be one of the biggest upsets in WWE history, and that is not an exaggeration. That is a fact, okay? Roman has been unbeatable at every single pay-per-view, in just about every single match He has been in since SummerSlam of 2020. He hasn't lost. This is 2022. SummerSlam marks, what, over two years that he's been champion? It's a long time. With all that being said, I guess we'll have to wait and see this Friday what's going to happen with Roman Reigns, Matt Riddle, and the bloodline. Speaking of the bloodline... There is another component to this bloodline faction, and that is the Usos. They had a championship contenders match this past Monday with none other than the Street Profits. And due to technicalities and circumstance, the Street Profits did win. So they are the next challengers for the Usos WWE Undisputed Tag Team Championships. So, it's going to be the Usos versus the Street Profits at Money in the Bank. Now, with all that being said, and all that being set in motion, they didn't really announce the match card for the Street Profits and the Usos, which I'm kind of surprised about. They already have Bianca and Rhea's renders up for the Raw Women's Championship. So, that feud is probably going to start sometime next week. Bianca was out there during that match. And, of course, during the Street Profits match with the Usos, Matt Riddle was out there with them to celebrate. So, maybe Matt Riddle will have a little bit of insurance going up against the bloodline with the Street Profits having his back. Now, a lot of people were asking me when I did my live after show this past Monday... What did I think was going to happen with Rhea Ripley in Judgment Day now that Rhea Ripley is going after the Raw Women's Championship? Do I think that the Street Profits should be involved in that feud to help Bianca? My answer to that is no. In terms of how everything is set up, for the Street Profits, it doesn't make sense for them to leave one feud to protect <coughs> Montez's wife in another. While that would be the natural response if they were not the number one contenders, the smart thing to do is to keep the storyline separate. Let Bianca handle her business with Rhea and let the Street Profits handle their business with the Usos. And that's the best way to do it, in my opinion. However, it is up to WWE and what they decide to do. And that is what we will see. With all that being said, um, we got to see Austin Theory. Titan Theory, as I like to call him. Shout out to Nicole. Anyways, Titan Theory came out there to break up Bobby Lashley's little celebration. Bobby was basically out there to declare that he is done with Omos and MVP. And it didn't have to go the way that it went. But it did. So now he's on to bigger and better and greener pastures. And out walks Titan Theory. All smiles and all bite, Just all baby teeth. (laughs) and essentially said that Bobby Lashley's worthless. He's nobody. Like, look at you. Former U.S. champion and he have nothing to show for it. I, however, am the youngest U.S. champion and one of the greatest champions of all time. Blah, 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 suck my dick. That's pretty much how that conversation went. And, (laughs) of course, the promo skills are lacking on both sides. So... We were stuck with that horrible promo from Bobby Lashley. But one good thing did come out of that. Austin Theory got a good kick in the ass, which I think he enjoyed a little bit more than he should have. We all know Austin Theory likes a little booty play. Anyway, so maybe, now, just maybe, we are getting Austin Theory versus Bobby Lashley, even if it's for just a little bit. Mustafa Ali was not seen on Monday Night Raw this past Monday. I imagine that maybe he really is injured. Um, I'm not sure. But he was not a part of Monday Night Raw, unfortunately. But we all love Mustafa. And I really wish WWE would have pulled the trigger and given him that championship. It just would have been so sweet for him to win in front of that Chicago hometown. And really just break a lot of barriers and just come out swinging. You know? Elias. Uh, well, sorry, Ezekiel, made it very clear that after he had his match with Otis, to which he won, he made it very clear that he wasn't done with Kevin Owens and that KO should give him a second chance. He wants a rematch against Kevin. Kevin came out and pretty much said, well, why would I give you a rematch? I beat you. But technically, Kevin didn't prove that he was Elias he just beat him down and told everybody he was Elias, which is what he's done for weeks and weeks. To me, it didn't really change anything. Ezekiel still says he's Ezekiel, and Kevin Owen still says he's Elias. However, Kevin decided that he would give Elias or Ezekiel, whoever you want to call him, a second chance. But only on one condition. He had to admit in front of the world that he was Elias. And so Ezekiel did exactly as he was told. He said, okay, Kevin, you got me. I'm Elias. Kevin was livid, of course. He was excited. He was ecstatic because he was finally vindicated. He was right. And Ezekiel had been lying this entire time, trying to convince us all that he was Elias for whatever reason. But in the reality, we all know that he was Elias. Ha ha. Love it. But Elias was just like, do I get my match? He was like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. You, you admitted it, it doesn't matter. He was like, wow, I didn't know it was that easy. He was like, what do you What do you mean? What are you talking about? He said, Kevin, Jesus, I know, I didn't think you were that thick. I lied, Kevin. I lied so I could get my match. I pulled the same play right out of your own playbook. Well, Kevin wasn't happy about that because... That means we're back at square one. Ezekiel says he's Ezekiel, and Kevin Owens says that he isn't. So they were on the attack. He got rid of Kevin with a high knee and ran his ass out of there before Alpha Academy came in for the extra beatdown. So next week, it's going to be Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens. I don't know what all this means, but I guess it means that we get to have another match and another interaction between KO and Ezekiel, and I think that's hilarious. Then we have the residual stuff. Dominic Mysterio went up against Veer Mahan today, and we got to hear Veer Mahan talk, sorry, this past Monday. He actually isn't bad at cutting promos. He's pretty goddamn good. Very believable and very precise and very straight to the point, which I Admire, even though he's got little beady eyes, I do appreciate the man's ability to cut a decent and very well crafted promo. Okay, however, all of the things that he said prior to that match went straight out the window because he went out there and he lost to Dominic Mysterio. So, Dominic now has a win over Veer Mahan. Who isn't exactly happy about that. And I'm pretty sure WWE is going to continue to push the storyline for whatever reason. I don't know, but they're going to continue to do it. Moving on to a more irrelevant match. It was Omos versus Cedric Alexander. This match literally lasted seconds. Okay. Cedric didn't even get a chance to get out of the blocks. I feel bad for Cedric. It seemed like he was on a pivot to change and become a face type of character. I wouldn't mind seeing Cedric with the U.S. Championship. As long as he's not that annoying little Mighty Mouse style heel character he has. I like Cedric. I think that he's cool. Um, He lost in minor seconds. We're talking seconds. There wasn't even... You blinked and he was done. Okay. Now... While they were leaving or celebrating Omos and MVP, Dirty Dogs came out there and talked to Kevin, one of the backstage analysts, and they were just having a conversation, and all of a sudden, MVP was like, hey, listen, y'all mad disrespectful, we wasn't done celebrating, and here you come out here disrespecting us, Dolph Ziggler pretty much just kicked that nigga dead in his mouth. I ain't ever sipped so hard for Dolph Ziggler a day in my life. And it looked like he put some Perk Plus on his hair. Congratulations. You no longer have straw-like hair. But that congratulations might be short-lived, baby. Because you know next week he'll come in here with it all types of fried, hair sprayed, and laid to the side, honey. So, we have to wait and see. Pause that praise on the hair. Okay? Anyway, that pretty much was Monday Night Raw. There was no other match on the card with the exception of Becky Lynch versus Dana Brooke for the 24-7 championship. That Becky stopped that match from happening, stopped them from interfering in her actual non-title match, made the match a, a title match, and then lost said title match due to Asuka meddling in her business once again. Now, if you haven't been watching Monday Night Raw, then you won't know that Asuka's been a thorn in Becky's side for quite some time and I'm sure sis is getting tired and just like her husband she has never been one to just back away and let bygones be bygones so I'm pretty sure Becky is going to rear her double head anytime soon to get back at Asuka for costing her yet another championship at least that's what she wants us to believe with all that being said that was Monday Night Raw's recap with all that being said Money in the Bank is right around the corner, and we just need to know how things are going to shape up. Who's going to be in the Money in the Bank qualifier matches? Who's going to be the one to challenge Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank? My money's on Riddle, but, you know, live your best life. Who's going to challenge Ricochet if they decide to put him on the card? Although he has a match with Gunther on Friday, so he might not even be champion by then. And will Austin Theory put his title on the line against Bobby Lashley? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. There are a lot of things Mm -hmm. and a lot of variables that can come into play when it comes to money in the bank. And with the swerves that WWE have been putting out as of lately, one can only hope that things are only going to go up from here. So, you guys make sure you follow us on our social media at Down for the Count 19 on Twitter and at D4TC underscore podcast when I remember to post things. My apologies. Don't forget to give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Anchor if you listen to us on those platforms. Please rate us so we can make sure we know what we're doing is right and you guys can give us a full push with the algorithm and that will get us out there for more people to hear and don't forget we try to post episodes of the podcast every week sometimes you might get me sometimes you might get us all but eventually you'll get somebody with all that being said thank you so much for listening and i'll see you guys in my next one Uh bye